0: Open your Bibles, please, to Psalm 96. Psalm 96. Almost said Revelation, so that's not for a few weeks yet. Psalm 96, verse 1. This is the Word of God. Well, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord, great to be praised. He's to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the people are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let's pray together. Father, we're so glad this morning that we have before us your word and that it's true and that it's certain. Father, it's a great challenge to us, a great charge to us as your people. So, Father, help us to reflect on what you're teaching us here and how it applies. Uh, May your spirit really be at work in our hearts and minds, we pray, as we come to your word and to this table, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Choosing this year's mission conference theme, The Name Above All Names, actually made it difficult for Dee and uh, Ben and, and me to choose which scripture to preach from. Frankly, because there were so many choices. Uh, God's words fill with references to His name. And you have all the different names of God and the passages that encourage us to uh, to, to worship and proclaim His name. And from the Hebrew mindset, remember that names are special. They reveal something about the person. Abraham is the father of many nations. Nabal was a fool. Israel means God wins. Uh, When Moses asked God to show him his glory, God simply declared his name, Yahweh, because it revealed who he is and what he's like. We could go on. But the greatest name of all is Lord Jesus Christ. And the great quest of missions is to recruit worshipers who will exalt the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We know that the day is coming when every knee will bow in heaven, on earth, under the earth, and every tongue confess or declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. We long for that day. We pray for that day. We pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. We pray, hallowed be thy name. Uh, That's our desire. As John Piper famously reminds us, missions exist because worship does not. All will one day bow and declare He's Lord. For many it will be with great joy. But for the rest, uh, it'll be with sorrow and a grudging acknowledgement because they did not come to trust Christ to put their faith in him prior to his return. See, we live in a world where many people do not want to hallow God's name. But it's also said in a world where many cannot because they've never heard his name. As Paul asked how can they hear unless someone is sent to preach? So the task before us is clear to make the name of Jesus Christ known, the Lord Jesus Christ. We do it down the hall with the children, we do it across the community, across the nation, and we do it around the world. Given that how do we respond to this text? Let's 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 look at it and see. First thing to realize we do face great opposition. During our time of Revelation, we've looked back and all the way back to Genesis 4 uh, and to see where Cain names a city after his son because he wants to make much of his son's name, bring glory to his son and then to his own name. By the time we get to the end of Genesis 11, people are defying God's command to be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Instead, they're working together in one place to build a tower uh, that they want to reach to heaven and it says to make a name for themselves. They want glory for themselves. They, uh, they want to give self-worship. They want nothing to do with loving God's name. That's really a summary of the world today. world people become lovers of self, as Paul predicted. Totally wrapped up in themselves. People who only make much of themselves as individuals in defiance of love for God. So we're engaged in a, a great battle for the world. To know the name above all names. Uh, as we say Revelation, I think we've become keenly aware of something. There is coming the day when missions will come to an end. This world as we know it will come to an end. And so we're up against a deadline. We're to go and make disciples in, uh, in Jerusalem, Judea, to be witnesses uh, to the ends of the earth. Or as we put it, down the hall and across the community of the nation around the world. So with a deadline, what do we do? Well, Psalm 96 gives us some direction. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord. Bless His name. Tell of His salvation from day to day. Declare His glory among the nations. His marvelous works among all the peoples. So really the task is clear. It starts with our worship of God. We're to sing. We're to bless His name. We're to make much of His name couple of that, we're to tell of that. Where we go day by day, we're to share the hope we have. Then we're to declare the glory to all the nations. The marvelous works of God among all the peoples. The poetic structure of this psalm is is synonymous parallelism. That is, in each verse, the second line gives greater light or helps clarify or expand on the first line. So if you zero in on verses 2 and 3, singing the Lord, blessing His name, is done when we tell of his salvation day by day. We declare God's glory by telling of his marvelous works among all the peoples. Uh, And what are those works? What are his great works of salvation, of deliverance of his people? Well, in the Old Testament, that great work is is the Exodus. God delivers his people from slavery, uh, a deliverance intended to be a picture for us of our salvation through the blood of Christ shed on the cross. Keep in mind that when God's demand to Pharaoh through Moses was always what? Let my people go that they may worship me. It was always together. Last year this time we looked at David's battle with Goliath. A battle to deliver the Israelites from the Philistine oppression. If you look over at 1 Samuel 17, 45. That's page 240 in the, in the pew uh, Bible. Uh, David described his approach. He goes to the Philistine, to Goliath. He says, you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of heaven whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you to my hand. I will strike you dead and cut off your head. I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. David is being obedient to God. He's making much of the name of God. And God's deliverance of His people through David so that the whole earth will know there's a God in, in Israel and His name is Yahweh. He's the Lord. And that's why the psalmist goes on to give us the Great Commission down in verse 7. Ascribe to the Lord all families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory do His name. Bring an offering and come into His courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Friends, we're to call the people of the world to worship God. We're to tell the nations of the earth to give uh, the Lord Yahweh the glory due his name. We're to tell them, worship the Lord in splendor of holiness. Tell them that the Lord reigns. So years ago, our mission conference theme was the triumph of grace. That God's good news of His saving grace, of His wondrous works, uh, will, as as it's proclaimed, triumph. That is, as more and more people hear about the grace of God uh, than that's shown at the cross. That more and more people from all the nations will be saved. And thus be more and more people to worship God. Uh, as the book of Revelation is described to us as we read in our call to uh, Declaration of Truth this morning. But again, it starts with our passion to exalt God. It's that passion for worship for the glory of God that drives us to engage the nations with the gospel. But we had something that's really important. Not only do we need a heart to exalt God, we need to see God's heart for the nations. We need a realization of the lostness of people, of peoples, those in our families that are lost, and those around the world, across the globe. See, 25 years ago, when John Piper's impact on the church through his book, uh, Let the Nations Be Glad, was was so needed and so profound uh, the reminder he gave us so clear that missions is foremost for the glory of God. That in one sense the pendulum has swung a little too far. Began to, uh, people began to, people began to forget about having a heart for lost people, a heart for the nations. In fact, we as a congregation had, a, had an embarrassing uh, moment about this. Now I've never talked about this publicly, but now the man's dead. Um, and I doubt anybody but you, but me probably remembers this. Uh, our conference theme years ago was A Heart to Change the World. And we had the song uh, that um, uh, you and I have to have a heart, have got to have a heart to change the world. And if you're familiar with Salty, you remember that. If you're not, you won't. Um, and our mission conference speaker uh, threw a wet blanket over the whole thing. Um, uh, from the pulpit, he called our conference theme misguided. Um, uh, and man centered in our approach to missions, uh, and he reminded us it was not about us, but about, uh, God and his glory. Now, I was a young pastor at one point in time. Um, and, uh, uh and it, yeah, it's a little bit embarrassing when the, you're sitting there and the conference speaker says, you've got a goofy mission theme and, and, uh, misguided, you know? So I publicly apologize now for what happened about 33 years ago. Sorry. Um, cause the theme was my idea. Okay. I'm sorry about that. Uh, but several years later, uh, Robert McQuilkin wrote an article in Christianity Today, a long president of Columbia Bible College and, and Seminary. And he was very grateful, as I am for all of are, for Piper's impact. But he asked the question. So when it comes to missions, whatever happened to the idea of rescuing people from hell? For instance, missions, yes, it exists because worship does not exist among the nations. And we want God glorified. That's our chief end. But McQuilkin pointed to something that Packer said. Emphasis on the lostness of the loss has come to be almost taboo. The shift is startling. And to be sure, he wrote, it seems, he emphasized the glory of God whom we love, for a time, almost the exclusion of the very uncomfortable truths that we've seen in Revelation about the lostness of the lost. felt if we deliberately downplay the motive of also loving people, it it could prove fatal. My anecdotal observation across the years is that's true. The number of churches that have a mission conference has greatly declined the last 25 years. What about John 3.16? It tells us that God so loved the world, God so loved people that He gave His one and only Son that what? Whosoever believes in Him what? Should not perish. All right. And if that's one of God's motives, then I'm comfortable in saying that should be one of ours as well. Uh, Jesus declared in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testament to all nations. And then the end will come. The end will come. The proclamation of the Great Commission helps bring an end to this world. Revelation has shown us that reality. The judgment is coming. It's reality. The time one day will end And lost people at that point will be lost forever. Given the shortness of time, our task, brothers and sisters, is to proclaim the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to the whole world. And where we cannot go, we are to send others in our place. We need to be praying that God will use this mission conference to grow in us a passion for His name to be exalted. And from that, a compassion to engage the na- nation, to engage in missions. Be praying that God will raise up from among us labors for his harvest field. For those who are not sent, that God would equip us with a passion to give and to pray. Friends, we've got to want the name, to make the name of Jesus Christ known so that God will be glorified and the peoples of the nations saved. So what about us Today, The sacrament clearly points to the name above all names. It points us to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It proclaims to us today that what Jesus has done for us in dying on the cross for our sins in our place, He takes the penalty for our sins. And we will not perish. And He gives us eternal life. But also the sacrament, each time we take it, reminds us, That we're proclaiming the Lord's death. This is a proclamation to the world. It's a message to the world. And we do it until He comes. And as such then, the, the sacrament strengthens us. So that our lives are telling with the way we live and with the words we speak about our great Savior. And that we're going. And that we're giving. And that we indeed are praying. Our proclamation is so significant. That people's eternity in heaven or hell is based on their response as God works in them. As we get the message out, God does the saving. It's a message that changes the hope of all who believe. It can change a whole town. It can change a whole region, a whole nation, the world. So invite us today to this table on behalf of our host, the Lord Jesus. The invitation is all who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and who remembers a good Saint of an evangelical church. If you're not yet a believer, we would urge you not to take, but spend the next few minutes meditating on Isaiah 53. We are glad you're here, and we'd love after the service to share how you can know Jesus. Likewise, children who have not yet been examined by the session should not partake, but if you're wanting to take, please see me. As believers, we're called to examine ourselves. Do we recognize the body and blood of Christ? The price he paid for our sin. Do we truly hate our sin and and we do not want to tolerate it? Are we sorry for the indifference we have towards the the glory of God? Indifference towards the losses of the nations. Uh, Friends, if we're not, don't eat. But if we are sorry, if we do confess... We do need strength to walk and do what God tells us to do for the task before us. By all means, we come and eat, because in taking this, we declare Jesus is coming. There's no doubt. So we want the nations to be ready. We want them to be present in that day of joyous worship, not in grievous sorrow. So let's take a moment now and before our God, confess our sins privately. Acknowledge this morning our sin before you. Father, the things we've said and done that we should not have said or done. The things we should have said or done that we didn't do. Father, forgive us when we're indifferent about worship. Father, when we're indifferent about the lostness of the peoples around us. Father, we thank you that when we confess our sins... You are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So what great hope we have because the forgiveness is found in Jesus Christ because of his cross. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.